get uniforms, wear the same thing over and over and over again. Literally, it's what the elite do. Like Mark Zuckerberg, Steve Jobs, Gates even does this. Tom Ford, Tom Ford, who's in the fashion industry, produces nothing but new fashion, has been wearing the exact same black jacket, white shirt, black tie for two decades. What's up, everybody? I'm Chris Ronzio, founder and CEO of Trainual, and this is Process Makes Perfect. As always, we're talking with experts in process creation, automation, and delegation, basically the people that make business easier. You just heard Todd Herman, and this episode is all about the process of building an alter ego. Todd Herman is an award-winning author, performance advisor to athletes, leaders, and public figures, and is the recipient of an Inc. 500 Fastest Growing Company Award. He's been featured on the Today Show, Sky Business News, Inc. Magazine, and CBC National News. He's also the author of the Wall Street Journal bestselling book, The Alter Ego Effect, which is the power of secret identities to transform your life, and a team, a book that my team just read company-wide. He lives in New York City with his young family, but he's calling in on this from Utah in a mountain home. I loved this episode, not just because I read the book, which I think you should too, but because Todd breaks down the process of creating one of these alter egos and why it's so impactful on your performance. So a lot of times you hear these performance improvement coaches and they've got big philosophies, but they don't have the tactical sequence of how you can do something to get a certain result. And he talks about both the intrinsic and extrinsic motivators, mentors, alter egos, and all the things you can do to use your mindset to shift your performance. I think you're going to love this episode. So stay tuned and let us know what you think. Can this business thrive without the owner? you got to start putting systems and processes in place. If you don't use the systems, the business will break. We're always looking to buy back our time. You cannot say something once and expect that it actually is received. This is the way we work. A big motivation in that for me is creating a job for myself that I really enjoy. This is how you discover your vision. And this is Process Makes Perfect. Welcome to Process Makes Perfect. I'm your host, Chris Ronzio. And as you heard in the intro today, we're talking with Todd Herman. Todd, welcome. My man, it's good to be here. And we're wearing matching glasses today. I can't believe that. When we first <laughs> signed on, we're like, are those really the same thing? So yes, yeah. crazy. So, so this, this episode is sponsored by Warby Parker. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. We'll reach out to them. So what we're going to talk about today is the process of building an alter ego. Your book, The Alter Ego Effect, our team, actually, our whole company just finished this book. So it's really timely that we're talking. I saw you speak live a couple months ago and loved your presentation. So I'm excited to share this. And I think right now it's more important than ever to understand the alter ego and the mindset that goes with that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, where I've sort of hung my hat for the last, I mean, I've had my performance coaching and training company for 22 years, um, starting out working with athletes and pro athletes, and Olympic athletes. And then it evolved into a, a, another arm branched out working with CEOs, leaders and um, entrepreneurs. And just in the process of me working with higher and higher caliber athletes, this sort of golden thread was starting to be revealed amongst the athletes that were consistently performing at 
um, higher levels than everyone else. And because I was working in not just one sport, this is what kind of allowed me to sort of see this common uh, mental tool that everyone was using. And it was that they would say things like, I've got this performance identity, or I've got this person I step into, or I've got this, you know, switch that I flick. And and for me, it was always one of those things where I'd say, oh, that's fascinating because, you know, I played college football. I was, you know, had a bunch of scholarships. I was a nationally ranked badminton player as well. And, you know, someone sitting there going, badminton and football, that sounds like two sports that definitely, definitely kind of work hand in hand. But I mean, I just loved, I mean, any chance I could get to compete, that's just what I loved doing as a kid when I was growing up on our farm and ranch in the middle of nowhere, any chance I could kind of get away and go and play sports. But um, it was always for me, I was always like, oh, that's interesting because I did the exact same thing. My alter ego was Geronimo in the football field. And 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 then I was like, wait a second, there's actually, and I went back through all my notes on all these athletes. And again, like I'm now up to just coming up on 18,000 hours working with people one-on-one. Not That's not counting group or speeches that I've done all around the world and globe and stuff. And, uh, and so I started unpacking this process for how do you do this and, you know, how do you consistently kind of trigger this? And then I got into even the historical context of it, which is that, man, this thing's actually been used and referenced hundreds and thousands of times by really amazing public figures and leaders. Martin Luther King talked about it. Oprah Winfrey's actually mentioned it. It's just that they don't unpack it in a way where people go, oh, that's a thing I should go and use. It's more of just a very conversational device. So um, so it's like yeah. in, in the same way that your career kind of unfolded and these things un- uncovered themselves. I was reading the book and felt like that f- experience was fast forwarded through me. And I'm thinking like through my whole life of all these little moments where I was yeah. trying to, you know, be be like someone else and, and how that gave me superhuman power. So let's get into it. On the cover of the book. Just wait, before you go into that, because yeah. that's interesting. What I want to um, ask you is, when you were doing that, though, did you feel like you were being a little disingenuous or fake or inauthentic because you were using that as your own mental device to get better? I don't think I did. And I was trying okay. to process why I, I felt like I... I, you know, I'd watch a, a TV show, like an example I gave my team was if you've ever seen Saved by the Bell and Zach Morris, like Zach yeah. Morris was my guy in, in middle school and growing up, I was like, oh, <laughs> slamming the locker. I want to be like him. So, you know, I'd walk through a crowded hallway and kind of take on that persona and, and, and until I grew into it. And so I don't, yeah. I don't think it was negative, but, but I never really thought about how, how much I've done that in my life. But that's my point to people because some people are so ch- – they hear this and they're like, okay, I get it. Like people get the concept right away. That's why it's helped with the books kind of – the book kind of flying off its shelves. But some people when they're reading it, they're like a little bit shy about letting other people know that they're reading it because they feel like it's some uh, signaling device that you're trying to be something that you're not. And yet it's actually baked into our human psychology. It's just how human beings work. We all need a model in our own mind to help us move into or grow into the next version of ourself. Like we all know intellectually that who I was 10 years ago is different than who I was today. That's why it can frustrate us when we go back to family and friends who treat us like we were when we were 15 or 16. Cause you're like, you realize that I'm not 15 anymore. Right. That's and uh, and so the people who operate at the elite levels, they latch onto these mental tools and they just go with them. Whereas people who sit in what I call the average middle, they get so caught up in paradigms and concerns about what other people are thinking of them. And that's the point of one of the reasons why this is such a powerful way to navigate change really, really quickly. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I want to get into all the deep questions, but I think for anyone that hasn't read the book, we're wearing the glasses. There's glasses on the cover. You mentioned the historical references. So can you just share really quick what that story is about and, and what it means to kind of take on the, the persona of someone else? Yeah. So um, no, do you want my story or do you want the yeah. story of like why yeah. the glasses are there? Yeah, well, well, they're related, I think. They are. Yeah. Um, well, when, when, when people get into the book, because you think about uh, maybe Superman and Clark Kent. And so, uh, you know, like, oh, yeah, putting on the glasses, Superman used Clark Kent as his alter ego, because really the real the real um, individual was Superman, the, the person with all the superpowers. And he wore the glasses to navigate the world and blend in and, you know, have a more muted personality, I guess. Um, and that's actually my, uh, my sort of, my point to many people is the version of you oftentimes that's walking around isn't the real you. The real you is nested underneath a whole bunch of like beliefs and paradigms and stories and narratives about things that happen to you and, and they end up trapping you and, and maybe wanting to impress other people or being concerned about judgment and, and all that stuff creates what I call in chapter three, the trapped self, right? Because, and the reason I say it's the trapped self is that's the number one word that's been used by people when they say that, like, I just, like, I can't get, like, I just can't seem to show up or like, I'm just not taking the actions. And that's what it feels. It feels like you're in a prison. It's trapping you. Um, and, uh, and so Superman is the real version. And that's what I say to people is like, there is this, that's why I call it the heroic self. There's the hero inside. Uh, and sometimes it's hard for you to just get it out there. You know, you hear these great terms or phrases that are used like, wait, you just got to have the real you or bring your real, or why don't you just be your authentic self? All lovely ideas, but they crumble on the field of play of action. They just have a hard time getting out there. But the alter ego, which was a concept that was first phrased in uh, 44 BC by Cicero, where he said the uh, in a letter to a friend, and again, this is Cicero is widely known as one of the greatest Roman statesmen and philosophers to ever live. So one of the wisest people of that time said in a letter to a friend when he was giving him sort of basically life advice, talking about the alter ego and how it's the trusted friend or other I within. And it's a really useful kind of frame for people to think about because we all know that you know, you know this, Chris, as you've like scaled your business and grown that after a while you're like, oh, wait a second, by me simply trying to carry up the load of these goals and ambitions up the hill by myself, that's a really hard way to do it. And and then you're like, listen, I know that the better the quality of the network that I have, the relationships, the friends, the more that I can just pick up my phone and make a quick text message to a friend who can solve a problem or open a door or whatever for me, that's going to accelerate success. So we all know that having an amazing group of mentors, friends, um, acquaintances around us helps us accelerate success, makes it easier, gives it more joy as well. But people don't think about navigating the six inches between their ears the same way. And that's truly what an alter ego is, is it's a model that you have within for how you want to be showing up. And it's inspired by maybe someone or something else that you admire already. And it's so useful for the brain because 75% of our brain is dedicated to the visual cortex. Um, and, and by having a very clear image of how you want to be showing up allows you to disassociate from this other image of what you think you are now. And allows you to step into a new association, which then accelerates the pathway to success. 
But then the thing that's unique about what I walk through in the process in the way that I work with people is there's a whole bunch of other psychological switches, behavioral switches that are embedded within all of us that I want to flick with the process that I teach that allows you to truly honor the idea that's up here and allow you to stay consistent with um, showing up that way. And just like you said, you said it perfectly before, I became that person, you know, the Zach thing. Finally, I became that person. That's the beauty of this is you evolve into this new version of yourself and then, and which, which, which did what allowed you to, you know, live the way that you wanted to live or act the way that you wanted to act and, and, and invite new experiences in. So, so the glasses itself, I use them for me. Um, uh, when I first got into business, when I was 21, like when I say business, getting into like starting my business, I was super insecure about how young I looked. I was um, 21, looked like I was 12, and I was starting this performance business. I didn't have a bunch of degrees behind my name. I didn't have a bunch of best-selling books. So, you know, I had this terrible psychology that was stopping me from taking the actions I needed to take to book workshops or reach out to people to get a speaking gig or something to, to it talk was like to a negative about. self-talk. You just did, had that story running. Yeah, it was just, and it wasn't even just negative self-talk because even negative self-talk, a lot of people get concerned about negative self-talk. Negative self-talk is supposed to be there actually. Um, cause it's just the activity of the mind. The activity, the mind's job is to produce activity thoughts. That's like begrudging the heart for beating, right? It's just, there's positive. There's negative. The problem that people fall into is they engage with the negative self-talk thinking that it's really them. What I was, the psychology that I had was actually more of a, a, a total paradigm. Like it was a philosophy of only the people who had books on shelves were successful or had the authority to talk about these things. Um, only the people who had multiple degrees should be out there speaking on this topics because I didn't have degrees. I, you know, I had played college football um, and then I uh, ended after my first year because I busted up my knee really badly, couldn't play again. But the reality was I did have a really powerful process for the mental game. Because I'm not physically gifted. I'm not six foot four and 245 pounds on the football field, but I played in the zone and flow state consistently. So I had actually discovered this sort of process that you go through to get into it. And then when I got done playing, I volunteered at a high school, was working with the defensive backs there, and I'd spend way more time. I'm like, listen, you need better routines. Like, you need to have better game prep process. You need to set some goals for yourself. You need to stay committed to the person that you want to be when you get onto that field. You need some breathing strategies. And I was just going, because I had just worked out all this stuff for myself. And kids started getting really good results. And I was good at that. Um, but I wasn't a sports psychologist and, and that, and that wasn't what I was trying to do anyway. So anyways, my point was, was I was resisting against doing the things I needed to do. And then I remembered, wait a second, I used Geronimo on the football field. Why don't I use that for helping me to navigate this new world I'm going into? And I thought, okay, well, Geronimo isn't custom built for being an entrepreneur. He's definitely built for playing football. So you needed uh, something else, right? Needed something else. Yeah. And I took the inspiration. I was like, okay, well, that alter ego was a model being inspired from Ronnie Lott, Walter Payton, and five Native American warriors. And I can unpack maybe that later. So like how I stepped into that from a visualization standpoint. And then I was like, okay, well, who would be my source of source code? That's, that's kind of what I call it, my source code, my source of inspiration. And it was Joseph Campbell who wrote The Hero's Journey and f phenomenal um, mythologist. I just loved his stuff. Um, he's actually the inspiration for the creation of Star Wars from George Lucas. And um, uh, Benjamin Franklin, 
I mean, I would probably put myself up against anyone else on the planet for reading Benjamin Franklin's biography more than anyone. And uh, so him, and then the third one was Superman. And I was like, okay, well, I had my uniform in the football field. Um, I have to have my uniform in in business. And I went out and I bought a pair of non-prescription glasses at Lens Crafters in West Edmonton Mall, where I was living at the time. And uh, and this is important. I want to point out, you didn't need glasses, right? This was no, just I kind didn't of not prescription. They're, they're, yeah. So fake glasses. And this is long before Warby Parker and others made wearing glasses just a cool accessory. And even when I went in there, the optometrist was like, yeah, but you've got 2015 vision. Like you have perfect vision. And I'm like, can you just shut up and give me the glasses, yeah. <laughs> please? And it was because my association with glasses was that people who wore them, and this is actually based on my own personal history, the smartest kid in my class, my best friend growing up in Schuler, Alberta, Canada, population of 85 people, he had glasses. Um, he actually won the national math test. And uh, so glasses equals smart. I wanted to be more smart. I wanted to, you know, really own uh, that space. And so I, that's what I went and I put on those glasses and I had to step into really embodying the spirit and the traits and the abilities of Superman, Joseph Campbell, Benjamin Franklin. And so you had uh, a process for this. I mean, the glasses are a totem or the, it's an artifact you put it on and you kind of embody those characteristics. I think people have been doing this though for a long time, almost unconsciously by picking certain brands, right? You pick yep. a brand that has baked into it some characteristics or they've got yep. some spokesperson that you want to be like. You know, yep. That's the reason I would buy Air Jordan shoes when I was playing basketball and feel like I could jump higher. You know, like yep. you take on a little bit of that persona. And, and scientifically, psychologically, what you're actually tapping into is a concept called enclosed cognition. And enclosed cognition is that we as human beings, we attach story, narrative, and meaning to the clothing that other people wear and that we wear. Okay. Now, the trick with this, how it turns into enclosed cognition is because we do that, if we were to wear that thing, we actually unconsciously start to exhibit the traits, the qualities, and the attributes of that item. And uh, there's a great study that was done at the Kellogg School of Management where they were testing this theory of enclosed cognition. So they brought a bunch of students into a room and they did this uh, eye color test where you've got the word of a color, yellow, but it's done or it's colored differently. So you have yellow, but it's actually the, the letters are written in orange and then you've got blue, but it's written in green. And the, and the test was you had to go through and say the words or you had to say the color that you're seeing, not the word, because your, your brain sees the word or uh, processes the word before the color. And uh, so if, it, if the word was blue, but it was in yellow, you had to say yellow. And so what they did was they had a whole bunch of these on there and um, they tracked how many mistakes you made and how quickly you were able to get it done. So the first group, they come in, plain clothes, they do it. Track the data, they leave. Next group comes in and they gave them a white coat and they tell them it's a white painter's coat and they had to put it on. And then they did it. Track the data, they leave. Then the next group comes in, hand them the exact same white coat, except this time they told them it was a lab coat or a doctor's coat. So they put on the doctor's coat or lab coat and then they do it. So what were the results? The people who had the painter's coat on and were in the plain clothes had the exact same uh, data, no difference. But the people who wore the lab coat or doctor's coat, they were able to get that test done in less than half the time and made less than half the mistakes. Why? So why is that? They enclosed themselves in the cognitive traits and abilities of someone who's a doctor or a lab person, which is detailed, methodical, and careful. All three traits that helps you to do what? the test that you were just given. 
So our clothing lives in context as well to the skills or things that we're trying to bring to the table. Um, and so when you think, when you know this about, like, I mean, I'm just fascinated with the realities of how our brain works. That's my problem with personal development self-help spaces. They're actually pushing a lot of paradigms on people that break underneath the psychological structure of how we're, how we're built. So that's why like a lot of our training doesn't look like a lot of stuff that you hear in self-help books, like affirmations. Affirmations is very contextual. It's very dangerous. In fact, it can actually cause people to go into depressions if you use affirmations. Um, that's why there's no one size fits all with this stuff. So, so the enclosed cognition, you know, it's, it's funny. Are, should we give everyone permission to go on a shopping spree and buy some things that just level up their life? Is that, is that what your recommendation? And actually, here I'm going to save you money. Get uniforms wear the same thing over and over and over again. Literally, it's what the elite do. Like Mark Zuckerberg, Steve Jobs, Gates even does this. Tom Ford, Tom Ford, who's in the fashion industry, produces nothing but new fashion, has been wearing the exact same black jacket, white shirt, black tie for two decades. You know, there's there's so much truth to this, though. I remember like years ago when I was consulting, I walked into a client's office and I had these like little holes at the bottom of my shirt from washing my clothes too many times or something. And he was like, am I not paying you enough that you can't have clothes? That <laughs> And so I went out that weekend and I was embarrassed and I bought like all this nice stuff. And I, I literally felt better about raising my prices because I was yeah. wearing stuff that I felt proud of. So I think 100%. there's there's real truth there. So, so let's shift gears a little bit because I think everybody understands this concept and how you can trigger it and step onto yeah. your field of play. So we're going through a crazy world right now with COVID-19. And I found out early in our call that you were actually one of the first person to get this, which blew yeah. my mind. So first, I, I, I want to hear like how that's been for you. And second, yeah. how do you use these alter ego tools or mindset shifts to get through something like that? Yeah, Um it's it, you're right. It's a fascinating time, and I was one of the first cases in the New York area. So we live in New York City right now. We're actually in Utah um, at a at my friend's mountain, big mountain lodge that he's got. So we escaped New York after we were through it. But first, um, I got it because I actually also 2020 from a health perspective has been uh, a lot of. Uh, you know, kicks in the groin almost because I ruptured my Achilles middle of February doing American Ninja Warrior training with my daughter. And uh, when, in, when I went into the hospital to get the uh, surgery, that's when I actually contracted the coronavirus was actually um, at the hospital. So that was at the end of February. And so I was, I was, we were always, you know, this is my overachiever. I was always ahead of the curve. So we were in lockdown before there was an actual lockdown. And, but um, my experience I lost 19 pounds in two days because mine started with a horrible flu. That's just, that's not for everybody. And then it settled into my lungs and um, took about three weeks for it to, for me to get over the virus. However, um, I was just uh, seeing the, talking to, uh, or saw the doctor the other day. And right now my lungs look like someone who was smoking for 50 years. So it did a lot of damage on the inside, like, and it'll, I'll recover from it, but it's definitely a different experience. So it's caused a lot of fatigue issues. Um, and again, I want to say to everybody, everybody's that's, what's crazy about this thing is everyone's response to it is so different. My wife, when she got it, because, you know, we were in a, you know, apartment in New York city, it's impossible to basically isolate someone there. So my, all three of my kids got it. They were all done it in about a day, day and a half. My wife, she lasted about six days with it. I'm the one who got it the worst, but, um, 
the fatigue. And then the other side of it is it's actually created for some of us a lot of brain fog as well, almost like the same feeling as if you were in a depression. So yeah, it's it's been strange. What's been more strange is really just the uh, the societal response. But when you understand human behavior, it makes sense because a lot of people who are, whether they're dismissing it, and again, this is this is a complex issue. You know, everyone's saying that there's just one way to do it. They just don't understand. Like, it's complex. There has to be trade-offs that happen. I don't know if this is the best response, locking everybody down and then, you know, completely ruining an economy because on the flip side of it, you know, there's going to be, a, there is a massive mental health crisis. And because I work on mindset stuff, and I've been doing this study right now of 92 CEOs and how they're responding and reacting to this crisis. Yeah, I read, um, so I read through this article on LinkedIn, and I'd love you to focus on that. Just the, the, the difference between a CEO that you're finding is just engulfed in fear or just yeah. kind of blurry and don't know what they're doing versus someone that is real strategic. Like, how do you make that shift if you are stuck or in a fog right now? Well, one thing, the easiest, uh, if there's if there's one commonality of the people who are being the most strategic right now, because so to break it down in this study that I've got uh, going on, and they have to fill out stuff for me every single week, and only six of them knew me beforehand. That's key because I didn't want to muddy the statistics that I'm going to get out of this by people just knowing my my stuff. So um, uh, so there's three distinct groups. There's a fear-focused group, there is a unfocused group, and there is a strategy-focused group. And uh, the unfocused group, it's the, the kind of qualities that they have been brought to, that have been coming up is more, they're dismissive about this. Um, and they're the ones who are most almost caught in a purgatory of inaction, like they're trying to find a plan and they're not making a decision on a plan. They're just not making decisions. They're sort of in decision um, overwhelm. But in the strategy side, if there's a huge difference, one of the huge differences between how they're responding and how other people are responding is they are most leaning on um, their strategic networks. So their people, like other people that they have. So whether that's having more conversations with peers that are in their peers, not people, peers, other CEOs, other leaders, other founders, just to hear how other people are navigating it. And what this is actually doing is it's satisfying one of the base human needs when going through crisis. I have this model called the CALM model, C-A-L-M, which is um, in, in times of uncertainty, volatility, uh, ambiguity, and complexity, you need to have clarity. There's a need for clarity. Like, okay, what's this about? Like, how can I? The second one, and this is the getting to the whole why navigating this with other people is important, is people have a need for assurance, reassurance. So, I don't know about you, but because again, it can feel like, uh, the great thing about this time though is this is happening to everybody, right? So, the whole, there, it's hard to play a pity right. party for yourself because yeah. it's happening to it's everybody. It's universal, yeah. It's universal. And it's, this is the I don't know other besides the flu epidemic that or pandemic that happened in the 1920s, even though World War one and two happened, it didn't happen for every country. But this is a global thing. So it's a shared experience amongst everybody. So this uh, assurance and reassurance, when you come in and you have a conversation, like if you and I are just chatting about just how's business with you and how's business with me, how are you navigating it? There's a comfort that happens. That's the need. The, so the realness, so the assurance creates a feeling of, okay, comfort. Okay. And, uh, and so that's important. So the people who are navigating this well are leaning on those networks. So if they were already inside of communities and groups, those are the ones who accelerated out of 
and into new plans of action faster than others. So if you if you weren't a part of whether it's you know why you know YPO young you know yeah, uh, or mastermind yeah, group well, CEO Vistage YEC all those things yeah. or or having um if you weren't involved in mentorship and coaching if you didn't have like I mean I'm I always have at least three mentors and coaches that I'm working with at one time yeah so uh, so that's it that's a key thing the other side of it though is because there is so much volatility, it is so easy for people to fall into um, fear-based thinking. Um, it's attacking a lot of people's identities right now because maybe financials have been hit. Um, and for men especially, because we live through archetypes of we're the providers, when going through crisis, this, goes, this, this triggers the lizard brain, Right. And so we go into fight or flight mode. What it also triggers is it triggers our sort of baseline archetypes. Women, because um, I have the data on this, are triggered to move into caregiver mode. They're trying to take care of people. Um, and, and men, it triggers their provider mode. And so if your finances have been hit by this, you feel like you're failing as a human being. And this is this is where the mental toolkits that I give people help to navigate this, whether it's using an alter ego, it's like, okay, in crisis mode, who would, who would mine be? So mine, one of my core inspirations is Winston Churchill. I love Winston Churchill. So even me, I'm in, in my own mind, I'm constantly modeling the idea of how Winston Churchill navigated World War II. Like, cause, cause this is actually this, our economy doesn't map to the great depression. Everyone keeps on bringing that up. No, this maps to wartime. This maps. This is a wartime economy, and uh, because during the Great Depression, it, it's it's a different type of um, settling in that's happening on the uh, on the society. In wartime, there are forced closures. There are there's movement of assets here and resources here to to deploy, and that's what's happening right now. So you almost create a separate alter ego for this situation then, right? Because it's not like you have this alter ego and try to think through, well, how would that person deal with COVID-19? Maybe, but maybe you're piecing something new together to give you the tools to get out of this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to find patterns. So what would, and again, this is how I think. I, not everyone has to do this, but I um, I go to, okay, this is wartime. Who is one of the greatest leaders during wartime? Winston Churchill. Boom. And so I don't necessarily have to just use him. I can bring him into my suite of characters that I use in my own mind. Because again, this is, it's, it's, it is a hallmark of phenomenal success. Jamie Dimon talked about this. He's the leader of uh, JP Morgan Chase, talks about his own um, you know, board of directors in his own mind that he goes to, to, to think through things. And, and that's, and that's really what that's, that's an example of using an alter ego. So, I mean, for everyone that's listening, an alter ego is something you can use in good times and in bad. It powers your performance. It fuels mm -hmm. you out of problem, pro problematic issues like these. Um, but, you know, for anyone that's listening, you can probably tell Todd is a process guy. He has a process for developing alter egos. <laughs> he's got a process for using them to enhance your performance. Um, and he's even been putting out awesome videos recently. So check out his framework he made on clarity, decision, why. Great video. I watched that. Todd. Yeah. Thanks for that. Um, I know we don't have too much time left, but can we get, go into rapid fire answer on five questions? Do it. All right, let's go. Um, what's a brand you think has perfected its process? Brand that's perfected its process. Good question. Um, I would, I would go with, I immediately go to say uh, Porsche. Hmm. 
I haven't heard that one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, because, uh, I, I, now I'm actually not a process guy. I learned it because it's a necessary part of excelling in life period, right? Like, so I'm very much a creative person, but if I wanted to create a repeatable outcome with my clients, I needed to have a process. So, I mean, that's why I love your guys' stuff. Um, and, um, Porsche is one of my favorite cars that's out there. And, um, I love watching the documentaries on how they put together their assembly lines and stuff like that. So that when I think of like a company that's perfected their process, also the thing that's unique about Porsche is that they're one of the few vehicle companies that's out there that you can you can take a look at the style of a 911 now and the style of a 911 in 1951 and the process, it links together like a beautiful daisy chain. Hmm. Wow. I'll have to ask you about the documentary later. That sounds awesome. <laughs> um, who's someone that's coached or mentored you? Many people. Um, I would say the most impactful one would be Harvey Dorfman, who was the... Um, king of the mental game world. He truly was the master. He literally wrote the Bible of the industry called Coaching the Mental Game. He's known as the Yoda of baseball. Every single major league baseball team, every single major, major, um, like elite major league baseball player was um, his mentor. And I went and studied with him for 33 days at his home in North Carolina so I could tuck myself under his wing. And I'm a big believer in apprenticeship. I think it's the most lost um, accelerant to success that people don't get. People want to just, it's fast food mentality. I'm going to just call myself an XYZ in my LinkedIn profile, as opposed to going and tucking myself under Chris's wing for a year. If your aspiration is to run a SaaS company. And again, like there, I know a lot of leaders who they don't want people like that. And I'm like, listen, if I've got someone who's a shooting star, they're ambitious. If I can capture some of the magic of that shooting star for six months inside of my company, and I'm good to that person, that person's a shooting star. They're never going to forget where they came from. And you might have a few people who are psychotic in some way who'll gonna, who are going to forget. But uh, yeah, so anyways, Harvey Dorfman, tuck, tuck yourself under someone's wing. I love that. Okay. Uh, favorite book other than your own? A Seeking Wisdom from uh, Darwin to Munger. Amazing book. A lot on mental models. It would probably you know, be, um, if, if people are listening to, uh, to you and our trainual customers and stuff, they would get a lot out of it. Mental models helps you navigate life with speed. Oh, I love that. All right. Uh, two more most entertaining person you follow online. Most entertaining person. Oh, I don't really follow that many people online. I, but I do, it's, it's probably, it's maybe a, a set, the rock, I just find him fascinating. You mentioned um, him I, in the book. I was, my yeah. kids are super into Moana, so they I've been talking to them about him, and I'm like, no, you don't understand. It's like this guy, not yeah, <laughs> character. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, big wave, big wave is his character, and and actually mentioned it. Yeah, I mentioned it in the book. Um, Kevin Hart, I find fascinating. I'm a big comedy guy, so I love following, like, say, Burt Kreischer. He's another oh, comedian. I love him. The yeah, the machine. the machine. Yeah, the yeah. machine. Um, ooh, all right, last one. What's one app you can't live without? One app I can't live without would be um, any audio recording app, any audio recording app. So part of my process is because I'm massively extroverted um, and anytime I need to create something, I'm a, I'm a huge, when you're an extrovert, you're typically a huge relationship person. I never work in isolation. That's the, if you want to create a prison for me, it's ask Todd to write something by himself. So, and, and I like to speak out loud. So auditory stuff, and then I send it up into 
our um, uh, whether it's you know a sauna that we use or whatever, and then that stuff gets put into um, you know SOPs and stuff for us. Awesome, great process. All right, well, we'll link all those up in the show notes. Todd, I really appreciate you spending some time coming in here from your uh, mountain home in, in Utah to, <laughs> to chat with us. For everyone listening, be sure to check out the book. I've got it in hard copy and on the iPad so I can highlight the heck out of everything and search for uh, for the keywords. So that's my process. That's awesome. Um, where can people find you if they want to connect after this? My home base on the interwebs is uh, toddherman.me and that kind of gets uh, gets you to navigate towards all the different training uh, resources and companies that uh, that we've got and then links to social media there Facebook Instagram LinkedIn as well so toddherman.me and then for the book if you want more resources alteregoeffect.com great and if you're listening and you develop your own alter ego I want to hear about it so comment on this or send us a note and we can promote that after the fact Todd thanks again your champ Hey, thanks for listening to Process Makes Perfect. If you're listening on your earbuds, on a run, in the car, we also have a version on YouTube. So if you wanna see this in color video with me interviewing all these great guests, check it out on YouTube. Just search Chris Ronzio and you'll find my channel on there. If you found this helpful, we'd love for you to leave a review or rate the podcast. If you found the information valuable, please share it with a friend, a family member, or anyone else you think could benefit from the information. Remember to connect with me at Chris Ronzio on all social media media platforms or the company at Trainual. That's train U-A-L, like a training manual, everywhere that you want to follow us. Thanks again for watching or listening, and we hope to see you next time.